Welcome to your library podcast. My name is Hannah Vierkamp, and I'm the Creative Experience Resource Specialist here at St. Louis Public Library. And I'm Mary Meyer, Manager of Digital Library Services here at the library. And on today's episode of Your Library Podcast, we will be highlighting the library's foundation and some of the programs that it supports. But first, let's talk a little bit about how the library is continuing to adapt to the changes as a result of the pandemic this year. At this time, the library is closed again due to the pandemic, and we are providing curbside and walk-up services only. You can visit us to pick up your holds, print jobs, check out a Chromebook or hotspot, or even get a new library card. In Creative Experience, we've started offering many of our services curbside as well. You can request large format prints, 3D prints, or even laser cut projects that you'd like to create and pick up curbside. If you visit our Creative Experience site, you can find online forms to fill out and request your projects. We continue to offer virtual programs. There are virtual programs offered throughout the library for kids and adults. And in Creative Experience, we have been offering programs on a variety of topics. I have been leading a seminar on podcasting over the fall. It just wrapped up, but you can find all five episodes, everything from starting your podcast, recording and editing on up to hosting and distribution. And those are on our YouTube channel. And all of that and the upcoming programs are linked on the Creative Experience webpage on the website for the library. And we've been offering a lot of other programs as well. Yeah, coming up in January, we have some programs on restoring your old photos with Pixlr, logo and branding fundamentals for your small business, and even music production for kids. And I'll be leading a, another seminar on online resources that are free for digital media production, like audio and video recording, and looking at a different tool each month that you can use for free online, even from a Chromebook. So today we'll be highlighting the library's foundation. And maybe you didn't even know that the library has a foundation. It is an independent nonprofit that was set up for the purpose of supporting the library services. And we're going to speak with the director of the library's foundation. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Reeves or Liz Reeves. I'm director of the St. Louis Public Library Foundation. The library's foundation was created in 1989, and its purpose is to support the services and programs at the library through advocacy and fundraising, and to build relationships with others who share a passion for the library's work. I've been with St. Louis Public Library in its foundation since 2008, and I've seen it go through many, many changes, do great work, and uh, I think it's the best job ever. What are some of the programs and services the foundation supports here at the library? Well, we support a lot, mainly programming, all youth programming that includes early childhood programs, summer camps, school year camps, playdate theater. Um, we also support diversity, equity, and inclusion programming, exhibits, concerts, hotspots and Chromebooks, career online high school, 
creative experience programming at both uh, Central and the new bar location. And uh, we support capital projects. The biggest one was the Central Renovation Restoration back in 2012. Uh, more recently, the uh, Central Pollinator Garden and the Creative Experience at Bar location. Thank you. What do you want people to know about the foundation and how they can get involved? Well, first I want them to know that we do have a foundation. A lot of people just think, you know what? The library is funded and, uh, and we are. We, we have a great community support to run our library system. But to really make our library great, to really serve our community, having that extra support from the philanthropic community so that we could do great things like the programming we do and the services we offer, like the different services through the creative experience, that takes a little extra from the community. And uh, it's a way for people to be involved and support St. Louis. There are a lot of ways people can do that. They can get involved by becoming a friend of the library and making that annual gift. And that way they hear from us, they learn about uh, things that are going on and uh, get to know the work we do. And the work that we do and the services we provide here in the community are so important and they're always changing. As situation in our community changes, as needs change, technology changes, those needs are always evolving. The library is always evolving. It's very relevant. It has been for over 150 years now. And so I want people to know that we exist. We're here to make this library even better, to enrich the lives of the people who live here, and that um, it's worth being involved with. It really is. It's very rewarding when you're involved with a public library. It's one of the most democratic of institutions and it truly is for everyone. Um, I feel very fortunate to be connected to such a great organization. People can become a friend, they can make a gift in multiple ways. An annual gift to support uh, programming, they can make a tribute gift. It's a great way to honor or remember someone you can make a gift to our endowment, uh, a plan gift, so that after your lifetime, you're still doing good and supporting a really worthwhile organization that makes our city great. Could you talk a little more about what it means to become a friend of the library and also the range in ways that people can contribute? Sure. Becoming a friend means that you make a gift every year. It's an annual contribution. And um, if I took all the donors, all the people who make a gift, they make, it, make gifts from anywhere from $40 up into the thousands. But I would say 90% of the people who support the library support the library with less than $100 a year. And that all adds up. It's because there are thousands and thousands of people here in St. Louis who use the library, who value it, and even if they don't use the library as often, they know it's really needed for others in their community. And um, 
we do have those people who give higher level gifts. Um, you can give any amount from $40 on up and be a friend. Our leadership donor level is $1,000 or above. And uh, that group is our Tennessee Williams Society leadership donors. And when people uh, give annually and become a friend of the library, we find ways to stay connected with those people, to engage them more, to let them know what their uh, support is doing, how it's being used. We uh, let them know about new services, new things going on at the library. And one of the best things is we invite them down often, as often as we can to meet us, talk with us, get to know us and the organization better and uh, become our friends. Thank you. If our listeners wanted to find how they can sign up to become a supporter of the library, can they find more information on our website? Oh, most definitely. Go to slpl.org and in the uh, top navigation bar of the homepage, click on support your library. And there you'll find how to become a friend, if you're interested in making a tribute gift or a planned gift. And we put information about the work we're doing up there as well. Has the pandemic impacted either the work that the foundation is doing or have there been plans that had to be changed this year because of that? Or have there been greater needs that have arisen because of that that you would like to speak about? I would say all of the above. Yes, the pandemic, I think, has impacted all of us in some way or another. We had to cancel a couple of our friends' events for this year. So we've had to change how we engage with our donors. Um, and what we've seen from need is that there's a greater need for digital access, more now than ever before. We always knew there were disparities. We always knew that uh, there were people in our community who did not have access at home, who needed it. And the library addresses those issues. They have hotspots, they have Chromebooks you can check out, free Wi-Fi, but the need was greater and uh, immediate action needed to take place. The library tripled the number of hotspots before we reopened. And from the foundation side, going forward, we're looking to the community now to help support that digital access effort so that we can keep that program going so that we can add to it and make those services and that equipment available to people. Um, other things as far as the pandemic goes, we've had to look at the future year knowing that people may not have disposable income to support the library in the ways they did before. So trying to make sure that those who want to continue to support us can work with those people. We see over 2 million people come through our doors probably quicker now and more online with the pandemic, but the need is there. It's really there. And um, an individual can make a big difference with their few dollars. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't ask you about, Liz? Well, just that uh, we're working hard. Uh, the library's foundation staff is a mighty army of four, 
And we work very hard. We care about the library. Um, anyone has any questions, you can find our phone number and our email address online. But you can give us a call, email us, ask us any questions, ask how you can be involved with us and what the need at the library is and how you might be able to help. We were just talking today about how uh, we have a really wonderful group of supporters who are uh, steadfast, stay with us forever. They're a wonderful group of people and from all walks of life. So uh, we would love to add to that group, to add to that number and welcome into our family. So uh, I think that's, that's about it. Thank you so much, Liz. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was Liz Reeves, director of the Libraries Foundation. Next up, we hear from Krista and Julie about 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten, which is exactly what it sounds like, a program to encourage literacy and reading for kids before they reach kindergarten. This program is supported by the foundation and funded by the Nancy E. White Trust. Hi, I'm Krista, and I am the manager of Central Youth Services at the Central Branch. And I'm Julie. I'm a youth services provider at Carpenter Library. So 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten is a program we just started, and the goal is to get um, every child to read 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten. It's a great program not only to help kids build literacy skills, but also to bond with their caregivers and to sort of give us a routine, maybe, um, to start reading regularly before they reach kindergarten. So we have it set up for every 100 books that kids read or are read to, they can receive a free book from the library. And then at the end of the program, at 1,000 books, they receive a really nice backpack and a little kindergarten supply kit that they can take with them to kindergarten. So all you have to do is either stop in a library branch and get a paper booklet, or you can also sign up online, and then we'll get you all set and start reading a thousand books before kindergarten. Thank you. And so to sign up, do they just go to the library's webpage? Yep. So you can just go right to the library's webpage and we have the link right there for you. We're using the same site that we use for the summer challenge. So if you have used that website before, you will already have an account. Or like I said, just stop in any branch and we can get you signed up on paper. And Julia, you've been talking about this program on your story time with Julie videos that everyone can find on YouTube. Can you talk about your experience with the program and seeing families be involved? Yeah, it's really exciting when families come in. Um, we've got informational material for them. So whenever I see anybody that looks like they haven't started kindergarten yet, or when I see grownups browsing for picture books, I'll let them know that we have this program. So sometimes a baby and a toddler will come in and I'll talk about them and the grown-up will seem interested for the toddler. And I'm like, the baby can sign up too. Like you're reading with the baby. But it's really fun because I always mention rereading a book counts or listening to an audiobook counts or when you watch the story time videos that the library makes, those count towards your 1,000 books. So if you read the same book every evening before bed, that counts. If you read it seven nights a week, that counts seven times. It's very exciting to see families really get really stoked when they know that they can get a free book after every 100 books. It's nice to have a little prize throughout the big challenge. Well, a thousand books seems a little daunting. How long does it usually take for a family to read a thousand books? Yeah, so it does seem super daunting. The title makes it seem like, oh, it's going to take forever. If you just want to read one book 
a day, that'll take you three years. But if you read three books a day, it'll take you a year. So it's not that much at all. A lot of kids read five or more books a day and it'll be over before you know it. And it's really nice because in the booklet, all you have to do is just color in a circle. You don't have to write all of the titles out or anything like that. A thousand titles, your hand would get pretty tired. And then on Beanstack, if you get the app, you can actually just scan the book's ISBN and it'll fill it in for you. So it's really a fast and and easy way to do it. So we tell parents that a lot of children will finish in just a year and that's a thousand books. And if you do that every year before kindergarten, like Julie said, starting from a baby, that's a lot of books that that child has already read and absorbed and is now ready to start school. Are there a lot of benefits for kids to read those thousand books before kindergarten that'll kind of impact them throughout the rest of their lives? Yeah, so there are multiple studies that proves the earlier a child starts reading or is read to, the better a reader they will be. Also, the more a child reads is also a great indicator of academic success. So they found in studies that a really strong reader is going to do really well in school and backing up a really strong reader is starting as soon as possible. So again, I'll just echo what Julie said. People think, oh, if, you know, I have a baby, you know, why am I reading to a baby? Well, that baby is already absorbing those words, even if they can't fully understand. And being able to touch books and interact with books is just as important as being read to. So they found that the earlier you start with books, the better readers they'll be and the better that they will do in school going forward. And I can add to that too. We talk a lot about building literacy skills. You know, we're a library and we're like, read books, it's awesome. And that builds upon, like Krista said, school readiness and reading and phonics and speech, but also reading different stories builds on social emotional skills too. So when you read stories about people that are different than you or a conflict happens in a book, Toddlers can take that in and interpret that and comprehend what's happening. It's also a good way to have a conversation with a child about what's happening in the story. If someone's trying to find some book recommendations, can they reach out to you for suggestions? Absolutely. So you can either call us or email us or stop in and get recommendations, but we're also going to be releasing a quarterly newsletter. So when you sign up, we will ask for your email address, and that's the only reason we're using it. And so you will be able to get book recommendations, not only for your child, but also for yourself. So when you're trying to teach your child to read or you're trying to encourage them, sometimes you need some resources too. So there'll be resources available for you as a parent, and then also just some fun books for you to read or for your child to read as well. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of this program with the library, how long it's been going on? So we've actually been planning a thousand books for a really long time. Uh, Our closure for COVID kind of uh, derailed it a little bit, but we've been talking about it for quite some time. I had worked with a thousand books at a previous library system that I had worked in and it's much smaller, but we had really great success stories. We had hundreds of kids finish before and we were a small system. So I was super excited to do it in such a big system like SLPL. Um, So like I said, we've been doing it for about a month now, and we've already got 
quite a few kids signed up and we've already had a couple kids finish a couple hundred books. We've only been going for a month, so that's really good. Um, and we had one child who's already claimed three books. So they've read over 300 books so far. So we've been planning, like I said, for a while. And we hope that as time goes on and news comes out, we just keep getting more and more signups. And we are now seeing siblings come in and getting signed up as well. So we're really looking forward to seeing lots of kindergartners, well, will be kindergartners sign up. Thank you both for doing this interview with us. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Yeah, thank you, Hannah and Mary. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. That was Krista, manager of Central Youth Services, and Julie, youth services provider at Carpenter Library. Another program that the Library Foundation supports is our summer camps, which are now year-long virtual camps for kids. In September, Your Library Podcast did an interview with Jenny Song, Program Coordinator for Youth Services, along with two of the program presenters. Hi, this is Jenny Song from St. Louis Public Library. I'm the Program Coordinator for Youth Services. Hi, I'm with Day Spring Arts and Education. My name is Claire Ward. I am the Programming and Outreach Coordinator here. I am also a teacher, so I teach primarily dance and I teach in the Performing Arts Department as well. I've taught some of these programs. We love the St. Louis Public Library. They're one of our favorite partners to work with. Hi, I'm Abby Crawford. I'm the Director of Education at COCA. My team does camps within our facility in University City, and then we've been partnering with St. Louis Public Library for a couple of years. How have things changed since we're doing virtual programming now? I mean, they've changed because we're on the computer, right? But I think in a lot of ways, that's what our families have become accustomed to. And so we've been able to really meet the needs of the community because the library was so willing to still hold these camps, even in this virtual kind of context. Yeah, and I think for us, I know I'm speaking as someone, I work directly with our outreach teaching artists and I am one of those teaching artists and something that we've all really worked on as a group is how much we're being challenged as teachers in a very good way, how to keep children engaged when they're on a screen. It's definitely a different approach to education and we obviously prefer in-person, but throughout this whole process, we've created a lot of really nice connections with children. And again, it doesn't replace in-person, but it really is fantastic how well we've been able to adapt to this. So it's challenging, but it's not awful. We have enjoyed still continuing to teach and doing what we love. What about from your end, Jenny? Can I just say we have some amazing partners that we worked with. I was really scared because we actually launched our virtual camps in summer and we offered 54 camps over June and July. And that was a um, potential nightmare, but it was it was amazingly done by all our providers. They just got on board. They were super creative. They were able to transform their curriculum on a dime. Like within like weeks, they were able to really create some amazing programming that I was super surprised. And I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was very impressed about how amazing, how engaging they could be, even with a five-year-old on the camera over Zoom is a very tough thing. It requires a lot of patience and a lot of hard work. And it was very amazing to see that. Um, with our providers. Feedback from parents have been great, um, mostly positive. Of course, the three-year-old camps are going to be tough. Like, it is really tough for parents to sit down through an, um, you know, 45-minute camp with a three-year-old 
and help them do that. But other than that kind of feedback, it was mostly like, way to go. Good job. Thank you for continuing to provide this kind of support to our community. So it was overall an extremely positive experience. We also were trying uh, our best to provide that experience for kiddos who may not have um, internet access or computer access. So we actually did a couple of kits that were just take home, like just bags, instructions in the bags, and they were able to create on their own. So a lot of the virtual camps that we had, even though there was Zoom meetings, there was a lot of just independent work as well. Like people can create their crafts on their own and share over Zoom. So there wasn't this tied down to the computer feel. It was very engaging, just even on a physical level. So I think that was just overall fantastic. Going forward, we have spring camps coming up. And then again, our biggest uh, push will be for our summer. So next summer, again, we are going to offer as many camps as we can, up to 70 if we can, even if they are virtual. So because we know that our partners can do it and they do it well. So we're really pumped to offer that. Thank you. And the information about all of these will be available on the website. When does information usually go up for the spring and summer camps? So our spring camps will probably be in March and April. So the registration will probably open in February. Similar for summer, because similar people like to plan far in advance for summer. So I think that we're going to keep with tradition and probably launch our registration in March for summer. So it'll be pretty back to back, but the summer camps will just have a longer registration period. Do you guys want to talk any more about the camps that we're doing with the library or anything else that you would like to share that I didn't ask you about? I think that, thank you for that. I I think, you know, Jenny's very kind to comment on sort of our adaptability. I also think the library has been incredibly adaptable. And one of the things that course was top of mind for, for us at COCA was making sure, like Jenny said, that the kids were not spending too much time on the screens, that there was a developmentally appropriate, you know, set of activities for kids, that they had the materials that they needed. And I loved watching the library think through those systems in a way that was really smart. And so, for example, you know, materials were mailed to families. Families had time when they could come and do a curbside pickup of things that they needed. And that's a big learning curve. But what I observed over the summer was by the end of the summer, a lot of those, you know, things that we think of as challenging when we use technology were really smoothed out because people have just become used to it, right? We've, we all know how to get on the computer and like find a Zoom link or go to a Google thing. And I think that's so powerful because to me, the library system is one of the most important facets of any community. And especially in our community, it is in so many neighborhoods so present. And the fact that families were able to access summer activities that were enriching to their kids, that they're used to getting, right? They're used to getting a high quality experience from the library. And they were able to do that in a way that was different and was, you know, free of germs, right? Like that is really, really important. And we are so proud to partner. This is one of our, one of the partnerships I'm proudest of um, for COCA because we have, really gotten to work with students and families across the city in a different way and doing that through the library's network has been super meaningful. And so I'm thankful that 
the camps continued into the fall. I think that makes sense, especially given the virtual, primarily virtual na nature of, of so much of our work right now. I'm excited for the spring camps and I'm just, I'm thrilled that the library continues to be so adaptable in meeting the needs of the community as they constantly change. Um, it makes me really proud to be a taxpayer and to support the library in general and then specifically through COCA. So I just wanted to brag on Jenny a little bit. Thank you so much for that. Do you have anything you want to add, Claire? Yeah, I was going to add on a little bit with Abby. I mean, it's it's everything Abby said is so on point. One of the wonderful things that we recognized, we were sitting down as teachers and talking about the summer and just the way that so many programs just in St. Louis have really rallied together. I mean, COCA has really helped us a lot in the way that we've approached virtual learning and figuring out how to make this all work. One thing that we do love about this is that we feel that We've seen with the public library that children who maybe don't have transportation to something that's on site now have access. And that is something we're trying to like we were going through everything of what is positive coming out of COVID and this experience and how we can reach more children. And I feel that for us working with how well the public library handled this, we're now thinking, wow, like this is this is something we can do moving forward, even, you know, post pandemic to really make sure that kids who don't have the ability to get to a location can still have programming. So we're seeing this, obviously it's hard, obviously it's trying, but how wonderful that coming out of this, we can reach more kids, how wonderful. So, and it really is the library. We were like, well, they did it. So we should all keep doing it. So yes, that's for Jenny. She's been wonderful for all of this. Thank you all so much, Jenny. Any last words before we wrap this up? Thank you guys. Yes, I, I appreciate everybody's uh, comments and I, I do appreciate St. Louis Public Library really backing and being supportive of this move to really provide these experiences that otherwise just wouldn't have happened. And I think kiddos and parents and families really appreciated it. And, I, and I'm really excited to continue on and uh, provide this opportunity. Well, thank you all for being here and for doing this remote interview with us. Thank you, Hannah. Yes, thank you so much. That was Jenny Song, Program Coordinator for Youth Services, Claire Ward from Dayspring Arts and Education, and Abby Crawford from COCA. Your Library Podcast is produced by Creative Experience. Normally, we produce a podcast in our recording room at Central or Bar. For the time being, we are conducting these interviews remote but we look forward to recording in the library and opening the space for you to record in the library as well at some point when it's safe. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas or questions, please get in touch with us at podcast at slpl.org. Thank you for listening to your library podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can also now find us on Spotify and TuneIn. Please subscribe and leave a review. Your Library Podcast theme song is by staff member Gary Moore. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.